0: Welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And uh, today I have the pleasure to have Thierry Hadlock with, with us today. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. <laughs> Thank welcome you for having me again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show. And we're going to have a different uh, podcast today. What are we going to do
1: today? I get to interview you. We are turning the tables.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you asked me a few weeks ago uh, if you could interview me and I said that's a great idea
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes there are little bits and pieces of your story coming out in your other podcasts and with the one that you and I did and I'm like I really think your story adds value to what people are needing to hear and I wanted to hear more about what you had to say
0: yeah yeah I think it's really cool I I want to share more and uh uh, first, I just wanted to ask for a little bit of help to, to your listeners. There is average about 100 people listening to, to each episode, which is awesome. I'm so, so pleased, uh, so fun. Uh, and I'm just going to ask for a little f- a favor. You all that are listening, if you would be interested in doing a little short interview where I just talk to you, ask you some questions about the podcast, how we can make it better, uh, that would be so, so nice. and. Uh, all you need to do is really to, uh, to uh, send an email to me at rockinlifepodcast at gmail.com and uh, say that you would love to share a little bit more about what your input is on the podcast. You'll probably take 15, 20 minutes max and we'll do it either via phone or just via Zoom. And uh, I just uh, wanted to make this podcast an awesome place for people that uh, Want want to get hope. That's my, my main thing is to, to bring hope to people, hear people's stories. Like uh, you heard Tiersy's story. Uh, you're still the most listened to podcast episode. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, that's awesome. And uh, just to hear people's stories, people can relate and uh, can also bring hope. That because in the middle of divorce, it can be so difficult. And uh, to bring hope to help you move through that journey is uh, very very powerful and uh, be an inspiration to be become kind of like a catalyst to get you going in the right direction so please please send me an email uh get on a little quick uh interview with me uh and in exchange i will answer any questions help you any way afterwards uh you know i do coaching i mainly coach men through divorce and uh help you get some directions so i guarantee you just by Answering a few questions can make a huge difference. So I'll spend I can spend half an hour afterwards answer, answering any questions. So please uh, send me an email. So, but uh, then I'm going to hand over the, the word to Tiercy and uh, we'll have a fun uh, I hope uh, little yep. discussion here. <laughs> we
1: <laughs> sure <before>. are. <laughs> first of all, thank you. This will be my first time interviewing, and I'm super excited about it. So thank you for letting me do that. How does it feel to have the tables turned?
0: It, it feels very good, actually. I don't have to think up all the questions and uh, it's, uh, you know, quite relaxed.
1: Oh, good. Good. I'm really glad to hear that. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to start out what I hope is super easy. So in the beginning of my divorce is when I really fell in love with podcasts. Um, for me, it was really hard to be alone. And so it felt like someone was talking to me. So I would love to hear about your journey of starting this podcast. What made you decide to do it? At first, I listened to a true crime podcast. (laughs) Probably not the best for a single lady, but they were intriguing to me. But having a podcast available like this to me in the beginning of my divorce would have been absolutely instrumental in moving me forward. So what was the impetus for this podcast?
0: Yeah, it it started probably uh, you know I started getting my life coaching uh, certification almost uh, five years ago, and uh, I've heard you know I've had an interest for audiobooks for probably five years. I didn't read books at all for a long time. I went through school and then I just stopped reading books. But then uh, I I got uh, into audiobooks. And then a couple of years ago, I started thinking. You know, podcasts. I started listening to podcasts as well a couple of years ago. And uh, then w- it was actually in March when c- the Corona uh, virus hit that I actually it's a friend of mine, David, that uh, uh, asked me, "Shouldn't we just start a podcast?" <laughs> uh, and I thought about it. You know, I've thought about it before. Isn't it? that's perfect timing now? And uh then that's where I started. but we actually started we were going to do it together, uh, a podcast we called it two Strangers podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> love it.
0: and uh, <laughs> We decided, oh, we're going to do a podcast. And we, we actually recorded probably 10 episodes, but it's we never kind of like got to starting to release a podcast. So we actually never released them. And then we, we went separate ways. We decided uh, we'll do separate podcasts. And then I because I really wanted to talk about divorce and my experience and helping people. Uh, so we had little different views what we wanted to talk about. So it was better to just do it separate. And uh, But then it, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, too much so. And so it took a long time for me to kind of like push a button. But uh, uh, after a few months of practice and learning all the technical things like uh, editing and, <laughs> uh, and uh, all this stuff, then I finally published, I think it was in August. So it's like about three months ago. And, but it's been a great journey. And, and learning how to interview people and making it interesting it's really fun.
1: Yeah, I like it. It definitely suits you for sure. I love your passion as you're talking about it. Uh, when you were married, would you ever have thought about doing your own podcast? Or is this something that's grown out of your divorce? Uh,
0: that is an excellent question. Now, I, like, I did not listen to... Uh, podcasts, It was two years ago. I, I don't even think I knew about podcasts back back then. I listened to audiobooks, and I wasn't into that much during the divorce, or before, you know, during the marriage. I had so many other things going on. I, I didn't have time uh, for doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I worked, helped uh, you know with the family. Spent time in the church. It was definitely too, too busy of a life in many ways.
1: Yeah, I absolutely understand that. And I think it's beautiful. It's one of those things that comes out of divorce that you don't anticipate. And yet it makes your life incredibly beautiful and meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, that, searching for,
0: yeah. I, I think yeah. it, like, I've taken time to explore myself mm-hmm. in many ways the last five years. And it was truly the most difficult thing ever to go through divorce. But a lot of times, when you go through difficult things and you can't do it, you know, I had to make some changes. I had to reevaluate my life. I had to get a coach. I got a coach and a mentor, somebody that, that has done the journey already and uh, can speak into my life. And that's really oh,
1: so powerful. Oh, that's really cool. Let's talk more about that experience. So, you had a coach that helped you through your divorce.
0: Yeah I had initially I had uh, a counselor and it was for the whole family and uh it was mainly for the kids but I started talking to her and I, like I went through so much loneliness and uh depression and um I the counselor told me reach out to two or three friends that you trust keyword trust and uh, share with them what you're going through and uh I, I I contacted a few people I think I contacted like four people, and the people that actually I got the closest with are the people that two people that uh, two friends that are my closest friends now uh, that also gone through divorce because I felt that they could understand what I was going through. Uh, the other people were still are very very awesome, but I didn't feel that they understood what I was going yeah. through and uh, I-
1: having people who understand it is instrumental in the healing. It, it is hard for people who haven't been there to imagine. And I think we talked about it a little bit in my podcast where it's like, oh, you heard someone's divorce. Oh, okay. And then all of a sudden you're going through the divorce. And when you hear about it for someone else, it's like, oh, you're divorced now. And that shifts in your head, right? Your mindset changes their divorce. But when you're going through it, you're experiencing those, those types of divorce, that we talked about, the emotional, the financial, the legal, you know, and then you're experiencing those. So it's it's having people who have gone through it, I feel like really speak. they can speak to your experience. They can understand you. And I think it sounds like you found the same thing.
0: Yeah. They could relate in a very different mm-hmm. way. And but I still think it's good. I, I know you shared about your sister and she would ask the question do you want to be coached today or do you want me yeah. to listen?
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: that's very powerful to have somebody that can just listen. Because sometimes you just need to talk, but then sometimes you, you want to have somebody that can call you out on your BS as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, I mean, being able to be called out on, on your behavior is, I, I feel like, well, this probably leads into the next question I have, but divorce, really often what I've learned is a catalyst for people to grow. And maybe it's because they've been through the therapy like we talked about. Maybe it's because uh, our relationships ended. Um, I hate to use the word failure because I don't feel like either one of us failed at our marriage, but they ended and it wasn't what we had hoped or wanted. So I think I told you like for me, in order for my divorce to be okay in this world, I had to learn and grow. Yeah. So I feel like people who've often been there, you know, have been through divorce, they have that growth. So um, what do you feel like is the biggest breakthrough you've had since your divorce? Where's your biggest area of growth? Uh,
0: I know exactly what it is. It's definitely about being able to be transparent and open. I was very close to nice. up with my feelings, especially. Um, I don't know, I think it has to do with how I grew up as well. And a lot of times, this is like something that you're trained very early on in life, how you act. And uh, my parents, especially my dad wasn't very emotional. He never talked about feelings. And um uh, that's probably probably something that I dealt with throughout my marriage, not being able to open and probably partially contributing to the dysfunction in the, the relationship where I'm not transparent and open. Um, and uh, going through divorce, I had so much shame about the divorce. I saw it as a failure and uh, there can be many different reasons. Like my my parents, they stayed married until my dad passed away twenty years ago. And um, also in the church that I attended, it was it was not said that divorce is bad. It was like you you should stay married. We talked a lot about staying married, but then it became like I felt that you have to stay married, and if you don't, that's a failure. So I stopped going to church. For, for quite a while, and um, that, that was difficult. So I started to talk to people about the divorce. I've shared this on the podcast before, on the airplane. And, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I went to Sweden all the time, and uh, I, my intention was actually to learn how to connect with people, because my mentor, John Maxwell, has written a book called Everyone Communicates, You Connect. And I felt that I needed to be a better connector when it comes to personal relationships. Uh, I'm a very good connector, especially in business. I can connect with new clients like that. But when it comes to personal relationships and big, you know, like building that bond, I wasn't there. So I started teaching or training that on the airplanes with people that I never knew. And then I started sharing about their divorce. And people started sharing all kinds of personal stories, a person I've never met before. And yeah. I, like an epiphany. It was uh, very, very cool. And, uh, <laughs> but then I realized, like a year and a half later, after reading a book by Brene Brown, uh, you know she's a shame researcher. Mm-hmm. that When you start sharing about what you're ashamed of, the shame will dissipate yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: And that's what happened. So I have no shame at all talking about the divorce, but I did have extreme shame initially.
1: Wow, so- that's so powerful
0: be transparent and open and that's very attractive in in people that can be transparent uh, to be real now you shouldn't go around sharing everything in your whole life with anybody you know people that you trust but to be able to be authentic
1: yeah well i i think i love that i I love the self-awareness the self-growth the fact that you can just say I learned to be more transparent I wasn't this in my marriage but I've learned um what I have learned I was in a marriage I feel like I was in a marriage where I had to be perfect to be loved and and now you're saying hey I've had this growth in this area I can be more transparent like any future person you're with now has that um Your transparency, your vulnerability, and they don't have to be wondering what you're thinking. You know, it's hard to be that vulnerable. And implementing these skills, I love that you you picked the opportunity of people on the airplane. I remember when I heard that on one of your other podcasts, I was like, Oh my gosh, I just fell in love with Pear a little bit because (laughs) I (laughs) it's one of my skills is to connect with people, and um, I always try to find that in the room. And I I love that you took this vulnerable time and you were willing to share and look the side effect or the is no longer shame about your divorce. I think that's beautiful. And what a gift to yourself that you did and something that it's your new superpower now, right? Exactly. <laughs> Being able to connect, like you probably have gotten in touch with this side of you that wasn't there during your marriage. And it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and the crazy thing is like my, my former wife would complain at me, because I wasn't transparent, especially towards the end um, of the marriage. I, you know, we went to church and we, I, I tried to pretend to have a great marriage in church for the last few years where I didn't. And um, I pretended in many ways, having masks up, et cetera. And uh, to be able to, it's such a great feeling to be able to be you not having to pretend.
1: Mm. <laughs> it's so true. Well, and and one of the things that my marriage therapist said was the fact that I was okay with not being perfect gave him space to not be perfect. And I'm like, what a beautiful gift that is. And I know in future relationships, the men that I have dated since my divorce have have, have allowed me to not be perfect and been okay with my imperfections. And, it, and it's honestly beautiful because I mean, as a human condition, we're not perfect. We don't do things perfectly. We may, we don't get enough sleep and we get tired and grumpy and we may overreact or we're just having a bad day. And um, but transparency is a way that we can come back to each other and say, Hey, I may not have acted the best there. I apologize. Or, you know, or you can also I think transparency is also recognizing, hey, I really appreciate this about you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think. It's very, very true what you said because I shared with you before on the podcast, I've said I haven't dated for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: and
0: I just started dating a wonderful girl. Uh, nice. And uh, I've been very transparent with her uh, about many things I haven't told anybody else, even on the podcast. Maybe in the future, I will share some more things too, but some difficult things uh, that I'm not ready to share either. Uh, but uh, it's so true to be able to be naked be Mm -hmm. not naked physically but to be naked uh, and be transparent you know it takes time to build courage and and, uh, build a relationship where you can but when you're both able to take that step uh, and be courageous to share things that you wouldn't share with other people that relationship will deepen quickly uh, where you're vulnerable and open with each other and it's very very powerful
1: it's very powerful and I think as we've talked one of the thing that you, things that you and I lost in our marriage was that connection yeah. and so being able to do, recognizing the importance of that moving forward and you being more vulnerable for me it's about um, one of the breakthroughs I've had since my divorce is the ability to understand that the same event can create two different, points of view or perspectives, but they're both equally valid. And so what that does is it softens my heart when I understand like, oh, this was what happened for you during this event. Well, my side is this. And because I was, I listen to um, podcasts all the time and uh, Gottman, John Gottman, who's the relationship guru for, you know, the world says like, I think it's something like 70% of conflict is unsolvable, but if we can have this transparency and we can have this understanding, then it adds so much to our, to our relationships. So I love that for you, your divorce has also been a, a learning and a growth because it, it just makes it okay. So I really, really like that. Um, you've shared, you have some, what was the hardest part of your divorce that you're willing to share? Because it's hard for everybody, and it's a different heart.
0: Yeah, it's definitely the disconnection with my children, um, where there was a lot of alienation, um, especially initially. Um, and still to a certain extent, uh, you know. And partially, it's the, the divorce started in a very weird or like a really bad way. Uh, my wife... At the time, she initiated the divorce, um, and but I reacted in fear. Uh, she filed for for joint custody, um, but because of my immigration status, I was a Swedish citizen. I was trying to get uh, to be able to live in this country and get a green card, etc. Um, I could not see myself in any other way than filing for full custody. That's what my uh, lawyer said, and lawyers can screw up so many things. Uh, they so he can brought a lot of fear into me when i talked to him and he said you know you have to file for full, full custody that's the only way you're going to be able to have uh to have time with kids otherwise you can go back to sweden so i filed for full custody uh a very uh, the, i just got the best lawyer but he wasn't the best he was the worst lawyer he called my wife a whore in court uh in our first uh, session and i fired him the day after um but uh, that that fear that brought into the 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 relationship is still there um and it destroys so much um so and i take full responsibility for that i should not have done that it's but i acted in fear and a lot of times that's why i uh, share in the podcast too a lot of times when you go through difficult things you're not rational that's why you need to have a coach. You need to have somebody else kind of guide you and look from a different perspective. And I actually had a friend to, uh, uh, friend to call me out on that. Uh, he just told me, uh, you know, filing for full custody, that's just wrong. And he, he was one of my better friends. And he just said, you know, if you don't change this, uh, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. So it was a tough oh. choice, but he called me out on it. And uh, wow. I just like woke up. What's going on? You know, I realized, okay, this is probably not good. So I, I actually changed the filing to for for joint custody. But um a lot of damage was already done at that time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I um wow, what a great friend. I mean what an amazing friend that you had there to be able to call you out like that. And, and it shows a lot of your character too, to be able to listen to him and to change course and to correct. Um, I think it's very important as we go through the divorce process for those listening, especially who are new in the process, self-love, self-compassion for yourself, because we, you make mistakes. It's a very heightened time for emotions. Yeah. And we, unfortunately we do make mistakes and, I, I made mistakes too, and I um, I can't beat myself up for them, just like I don't think you should beat yourself up. I think it's, hey, I've learned from this. What would I say to a friend? I wouldn't tell a friend to beat themselves up over this. They did the best with the knowledge they had, and now, okay, you know better, you do better. Yeah, That self-love is so important. Um, I don't know. I think that's a common theme I meet with people who are divorced as they're learning to love themselves again. And I think I came across this quote the other day and it said, to become all you can be, you have to love yourself for all that you are not. And I, I love that, accepting. It was really interesting for me. I learned to accept what I couldn't do first or my negatives first before I accepted that what was so great about me. Have you had a journey of learning to love yourself or was that something you had to in- do or... Um, was that a journey you had to take post-divorce, was learning to love yourself again?
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, I fortunately, I signed up for getting a mentor and through John Maxwell. And this was pretty much a God thing. The reason why I got into coaching was to start coaching people. But by me going through the coaching course to start becoming a coach, I started learning about myself. So it was, it's was kind of funny because my intention was to learn to coach others. But through this process, I started learning about myself and learning to grow myself and love myself. So it was not intentional from the beginning, but we became uh, very aware that this period of uh, for many years was so much more for me. And I usually say that, that the, the best way to learn something is to teach it yourself. So when you start teaching others, that's the, the person that learns the most. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> so I, I started <laughs> by John, and he's, so, he's the wisest person I know. And in many areas, uh, to be mentored by somebody else that's already done the journey. He's 70 years old. He has an amazing marriage um, and so wise. To having somebody in, in your life that you trust, that can speak into your life, is is so powerful and to start taking that journey, but also to be open to change, I was not that open to change before the divorce, and mm. uh, that's probably the one of the bigger learnings that uh, I became more open to change and seeing my own faults as well
1: i yeah it's so critical and I feel like it can only improve your life now moving forward like you're aware of what's great about you what you bring to the table so to speak and yeah. then also you know this is what's great about me and then hey i know i'm also aware that this is where i i have a I struggle but i'm willing to work on it and i think that's really value added i think it creates an amazingly safe space in a relationship with your children yeah. with your friends with your coworkers. and um i hope people listening can realize the value that this time of you know divorce is affording that, especially in that first first few months when it's also just, it's hard. Those first few months are really hard. Um, I would
0: say the first couple of years.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, depending on the length of the marriage. Yes. Yeah, you and I both had, I think you were 19 years. I think I was 17. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I agree with that completely. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about too and ask you, so I don't know if you've heard of Randy Pausch. He wrote a book called The Last Lecture. Uh It's one of my favorites. He was dying of, oh, it's the really, it's the cancer that killed, it's the ones Patrick Swayze died of. I can't remember. It's, um, anyway, he was writing a book for his children, kind of his, he was a professor, The Last Lecture, um. And one of the things that he said in that book is he talked about the fake out and he was talking about football and he said when he was learning how to play football, his coach was like, look at their feet, look at where they're faced because they're going to try and fake you and go one way, but their feet are going to tell you the way they go. So given my question to you is what was your biggest risk for your your future after your divorce? Where were your feet planted? What were you facing? What were you... What were you wanting as a future? For you? Because I think it's important to be able to have a desire and a wish. So, so um, you know, sometimes it has to be very, I think it has to be a conscious thing that you're facing the future and you're choosing something. So what was your biggest wish for you?
0: Yeah, it, um, it has to do with that I picked up the coaching. I, I've been a financial advisor for a long time you know a very long time and uh, working in business but uh, it's been fun but it's definitely not been my my passion if you call it that so I started through the the coaching and through John Maxwell and being mentored I started finding out my passion my why what I'm supposed to do in the future and started soul searching in many ways trying to find a direction where I'm going and I, um, that was actually, it was five years ago, and it was shortly after the divorce had been initiated, it wasn't finalized, that I got in contact with with a mentor, uh, and uh, the the goal for me has always been helping others in many ways, and uh, being involved in teaching people. I've been a coach in many different arenas. I, start, I started coaching tennis when I was, uh, I think it was 18 years old. I started my own tennis school for five years. I had uh, about hundred students after five years. I did this simultaneously as uh, studying in in college and uh, to make a little extra money. I've always been an entrepreneur and um, I picked up those uh, kind of like looking back coaching is a lot about that kind of like discover what the person's love is what what is uh what you love to do and kind of like go back and say okay what is my true self what is uh kind of like getting back to the roots in many ways and find what is my true passion and uh you know i'm a christian i, I believe that god has uh, given every single person gifts and i have gifts and uh the, those gifts are there for a purpose it's not just there for no reason and um, i i definitely know i have it a great calling on my life to help other people Uh, and divorce is one arena that that I'm very, very passionate about. So that's probably my biggest learning from the the divorce is kind of like re-guiding me and kind of like where I'm going to go and uh, kind of like rediscovering me and my passions in a way. And uh, the podcast is one avenue. I coach people and I'm so passionate about coaching. It's so much fun to coach people through difficulty, but through regular life too. Because a lot of times you, uh, people get stuck. It's like you can be stuck in a marriage and uh, it, it's, uh, you're stuck <laughs> yeah. in a job. And it's a lot of times it's, it's having somebody else looking from a different angle and asking the right questions that kind of like bring you out of that rut. Because when you're mm-hmm. in a rut... It's like difficult to get out of that rut.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And other people, definitely. I love how you talked about following your passion. Have you discovered any new passions? I know for me, for, through friend groups and dating, I have been able to pick up, say pickleball pickleball something i started playing this summer and i am obsessed with it (laughs) and luckily i have a friend who's obsessed with it with me and we're going to get a membership together at a gym we've already called and we can do a group uh like a couple membership they're going to allow us to do it because we want to play so do you have it's fun to discover old passions and new passions have you discovered any new passions
0: yes several nice uh, uh, golf, I, I, I quit golf, or I barely played any golf. I played a lot when I was in my teens. I played a lot of tennis in my teens and late, uh, early 20s too. But both sports, I pretty much stopped doing for different reasons. Golf takes too long time. Tennis, I, was just, I played so much, I was just bored of it. I didn't want to continue. And uh, golf, I picked up here uh, in the spring a year and a half ago with my best buddy. Uh nice. such a great sport. And tennis, I also picked up last summer, uh, you know, that is like a, almost a year and a half ago. And uh, it, it's so much fun. It's so social sport too. And yeah. that's actually where I met the girl that I'm dating right now. <laughs> so, and uh, regarding pickleball, she asked me, don't you want to play pickleball? What is pickleball? I had no idea. <laughs> so I ordered pickleball. Rackets yesterday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Yes, I ordered some for Christmas and they arrived yesterday. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's, I I will say, I love that you've picked up those new things. Um, I will say, you know, that's one of the things that kept come as a recurrent theme through my divorce. People would say, "Find what you love, do what you love," and I'm like, "I don't know. I'm struggling." This. So, my advice to people listening is, keep at it. It's taken me five years to land on something, and literally, like, like I'm buying all the things now. Like, I bought the pickleball. I bought the rackets. I bought the balls. I bought a backpack. I love it so much. And luckily it's not expensive. It's super expensive, you know, and it's a great outlet and it is very social and it's like, we have a place that has 16 courts that right by my house and it's just fun to go listen. It's like a party atmosphere. I don't know. I have just fallen in love with it. My advice to people, it took me five years to land on something and it used to create so much stress for me, not stress, but not even anxiety, but I'd be like, I don't have anything because I had been so focused on being a mom and being a wife that I had given up myself during my marriage and that is one of the fun things about divorce not okay divorce isn't one of the res- side effects of being a divorce is I get to figure out what I like and what I love now and it sounds like you've done been so successful at that and it's really great I, I love that that's how you met the person you're dating I think it's great it happens
0: well, um, talk a little bit more about that on our panel that's coming out soon.
1: Oh, a little tease. Yes. We have a great oh, yeah. panel planned. <laughs> I I'm excited for that. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. for that. Organic so we've talk- yes, exactly. Um, so we've talked about some good things that have come about out of the divorce. Let's just mention, what are you, what's your biggest challenge that you've struggled with post-divorce?
0: It's probably a few things. Initially, I struggled with loneliness initially. And uh, for the first year, you know, whenever the divorce papers were signed, then I started dating for about a year. But I dated out of the wrong reason. I I dated because I was lonely and uh, I realized that. So I, I hadn't dated for like two and a half years almost. I just stopped dating. I I didn't feel like I I was ready. And that was part of this growth becoming to kind of understanding who I was and being okay to be by yourself, being okay to be alone. And uh, now I have no problem being by myself, to love myself and being okay to be by myself, not needing to have other people around you and and having a romantic partner. So I think when you can come to that spot, that's when you're really ready to start dating. Another thing that I've, and I shared a little bit about that is my connection with my kids. Some of the kids, it's like been a rocky road.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: definitely been a big struggle. And uh, also because I had to travel back and forth to Sweden all the time, because I am still working on trying to get my, my green card and okay. uh, having to be away from the kids sometimes for months where I don't see them. And uh, that's been uh, very very difficult. So uh, I was uh, we had a, a close family and uh, you know seeing your kids all the time every day and then to not seeing your kids for months it's like yeah. mourning in in a way.
1: Absolutely, it is. It's not like I think it is. It's a loss. Yeah. I it took me a long time. You had to deal with that loss months at a time. For me, it was every other weekend, and it was and for me, it was insult to injury. I didn't choose this. Yeah. I'm losing 50% of my time. It wasn't 50-50, but it was, to me, it felt like it every other weekend. I was losing gro- time with my children and um, and that's a true loss. And, and I remember as a stay-at-home mom, like, oh, I would have given anything for a break from my children because I was with them all the time. And then here I was getting it and it's just not the same. It's yeah. not the same when your children are gone. Um, and I know people were looking at me like, but you know, when you were saying, oh, mom, you, there were times you wanted a break and now you're crying about this. And it's the, this just something so different when it's a result of divorce, I feel like. Um, and I know I had someone who'd lost a child and I know she was saying, and I don't blame her, like, at least you still have your children. And yes, I still had my children and, and it's still a loss for me. So yeah, I can imagine months at a time. I'm sure you have a lot of insight you can, we can share about that. Thank goodness for technology that allows you to be sitting in Texas and me here, and you can, we can talk and see each other. And I'm I'm sure you, you have it used FaceTime uh, with your yeah. children and yeah
0: yeah, yeah. um creative uh, in in uh, yeah. developing this uh, relationship with your kids on distance and uh, when there is strife. And um, take one step at a time. I just interviewed Ryan here uh, earlier today, and he had some great thoughts. That's another tease. Oh, he's
1: great. That'll be a great podcast. I can't yeah. wait to hear it.
0: Because he has such a great relationship with his kids. And uh, just uh, be patient, too. Uh, you know, the kids go through different uh, areas, like in their teens. I have two teenage daughters, and uh, they go through their journey as well. And uh, They do. It it's um, like I, I had to be creative and trying to figure out ways to stay connected. So I actually learned this game, legal legends. I have three, three kids. that love playing video games.
1: <laughs>
0: like I said, you know, what do they like to do? And that's what Ryan also said. Uh, so true. Really be a t- detective and trying to kind of like figure out what do they love, love to it. do and how yeah. it can be simple things. Just going out to, uh, uh, if one of them like to go out for a coffee or, or uh, like a, yep. a nice beverage, they'll mm-hmm. take a little date or uh, yeah. sports, uh, enjoy their sporting events, go there uh, or do sports with them. And uh, in this case, uh, three out of four plays League of Legends. So I thought that's optimum because uh, my sons, the oldest, they, they were in college. So they lived in different spots. And then my daughters lived with my ex-wife. So we were actually in four different locations uh, and we were able to play this game and we're talking at the same time together. And we did that for a year and a half where we oh, would I love it. log in from different areas of, of the world. I was in Sweden, uh, one was in Austin, one was in Dallas, and then uh, the girl is in Rockwell. Uh, and uh, the thing is, when, when you call so- uh, your, your child on uh, FaceTime, you can only talk so much. It's like after like five, ten minutes, you run out
1: of <laughs> It's true.
0: <laughs> often. But then if you're playing a video game at the same time, you're kind of like just hanging out. And
1: that's yeah. Kind of- I love that. You know, I've walked in and caught my – not caught. That's the wrong word. And my son has been playing with his dad. And I think it's great. And it's um fun. Uh, Because my older my my oldest son lives with his dad. My younger son lives with me, and I I think it's great. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad that my former husband is taking the time to connect with with my son, especially because this son is a lot like me in personality and stuff. I think that's really important. I love the ways you have found to connect. It's super important. We're almost finished. I have one more thing I'd love to talk about with you. We have the holidays coming up. We have Christmas. So let's talk about your ways to navigate you feel is important to navigate divorce through the holidays. And then I'll uh, wrap up with what I, uh, what I, whatever two cents I can add.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, I think it's important in a way not to make the holidays too big. Um, It's like, yeah, I, I usually say like Valentine's, a lot of people they make Valentine's such a big, huge thing but then the rest, the, the 364 days that, that are around, it's like <laughs> reverse it and not celebrate Valentine's and do Valentine's every day. But it's like I think a lot of expectations about these big holidays is one of the problems. Uh, it's um, I think it's important to to have the the connection with your your friends and relatives. Uh, on a more consistent basis, instead of just having it one shot per year. Uh, and uh, so I don't make the Christmas huge. Uh, I celebrate Christmas. I'm a Christian, that's the the one of the foundation holidays, and I love Christmas. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not one that uh, loves to buy a huge amount of presents and make it very materialistic. For me, it's much more about connecting uh, maybe going out doing fun things together, uh, less about presents and, uh, and that in, the, in that way. I much rather have a more consistent uh, connection and uh, celebrate small things throughout the year. So, Christmas celebration uh, or Thanksgiving, and, and take all these different holidays and, and uh, kind of like make, make little special things on, on, on a more regular basis. That's my mm. fat five cents.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know. I really like that as you were talking. Uh, one of the things that I have done is. Um, well, this isn't necessarily, I want to create new traditions. So. Um, well, my kids are at the age where they just want money. Right. So I'm like, wow, that's going to be really sad Christmas morning. So you talk about these connections. So I, I, um, I sent my kids a text and I'm like, hey, I'm putting out our family scrapbooks. Come look at them. It's going to benefit you on Christmas morning. I'm making a home jeopardy game for them. So we can do that. And then the other thing I'm planning is we've got to figure out Christmas Eve dinner. They, they keep telling me they want to do Reclet. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's this way of cooking. I love it. And they're like, I'm like, that made that big of an impact. Cool. We're going to do Reclette. So it's a new tradition. My ex-husband was a phenomenal cook and he always cooked. So um, you know, I'm still navigating these a few years out because every other Christmas they're with me. But but also what I feel like for me to get through the holidays, especially that first one, was to validate that this is hard. You know, this is my first Christmas alone. This is or you know when it was my first Christmas uh, was to validate. This is really hard and it's difficult. Uh, my mom happened to come out with me and we had a brand new puppy <laughs> and we had been out and my we came in and my Christmas tree had fallen over. My puppy must've done something. And I think my mom took one look at me and was like, it's okay. It'll be fine. We're going to go buy you a new Christmas tree. Like it was overwhelming. But at the time, um, my, I was really glad that my mom was there. So it's validating like this sucks. This is really hard. But not wallowing in it. Right. Not staying there. Yep. I acknowledge it. I'm going to feel this for 20 minutes at my timer and I'm, then I'm going to move on. So I wanted people to validate their difficulty and then surround yourself with friends and family like you're talking about. Yeah. Those connections are essential. Um, I look at my friend group as my family away from home because I don't have family where I live. They are my family and they love me. And it's a beautiful thing. I I honestly feel true love and acceptance from them, but I actually never felt during my marriage. So it's great. So reach out to people. Don't be alone. Um, If you there were parts where you do have to be alone. Like last year I was alone part of the day on Christmas, but I waited to wrap all my presents on Christmas morning. I gave myself something to do for that time. I was alone. So I put on my Christmas music. I got my eggnog and I wrapped my presents and I actually really enjoyed that time alone rather than wallowing in it. Right. And then my kids were able to come in the afternoon and it was beautiful and I was ready for them. Um, And then like the other things last year, I happen to have my kids on the years that I don't, I'm like, Christmas is not December 25th. It's, it's oh, I get my kids on the 27th. That's when my Christmas is. That's what my Christmas will be, and not being so tied to that date because I think that can set you up for a lot of heartache if you are so tied. And I, it was hard at first because I'm like, no, it's the 25th. How am I? But then I was like, oh, it's the 27th. Guess what? I'm going to take advantage of the after Christmas sales, and I went and bought things on the 26th because I didn't get my kids back until the 27th. That allowed me to buy more, or I got the stuff for less. So. I think those are the things that I would say is, like you said, not make the big deal around it. I I do love your thought of it's 365 days a year, but letting yourself admit that, hey, this is kind of hard this year, and it's okay that it's hard. Reaching out to the people that you love. There are lots of people who everyone has someone in their life who loves them. And then just saying, hey, it doesn't have to be December 25th. My Christmas is December 27th this year.
0: I agree 100%. It's like uh, when I didn't have the kids over the Christmas, I would just uh, have the Christmas when I had the kids. So for me, it wasn't a huge difficulty, to be honest. The holidays, I hear a lot of people have a struggle with that, but that's actually yeah. not been a big struggle for me. Whenever I, I haven't had them, I've done exactly what you said. I, I spent Christmas with my family. And yeah, it's definitely difficult but um, I think to reach out uh, I think a lot of problems stems from loneliness and that you can like shell up and not reach out so and uh, I think it's more common for men that you have a hard time asking for help yeah and, uh, it's okay to reach out and say that you're lonely can I yep. that for you uh, yeah. and uh, I-, I bet most people are going to be very receptive to that and to see it as a, a strength to be able to ask somebody for help and uh, especially when you, it's family when you when you know you've gone through a divorce that's and also if, if there are people listening now that have a marriage you might most likely have people that are divorced and asking them and inviting them because a lot of times it's, it's a struggle to, to kind of like reach out to married people It's like, Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) it's true. It's true. (laughs) But yeah. And the other thing I would offer up to people, anyone listening is it gets better. And I think, I know I said in my podcast, I was one of those people who don't tell me that I don't believe you, but here I am. I'm one of those people. It honestly gets better. I was alone on Thanksgiving until my Thanksgiving feast didn't start until six o'clock. I was alone and I was happy. And I'm like, what am I gonna do with myself? It was a really beautiful fall day here and I went for a walk outside and then I I chose to do so. I put up some Christmas things. Like it gets better. And even being alone on the holidays, I was okay with it and I was happy. So really please trust me, anyone listening, if you're in the throes of of the hard, hard part, it gets better.
0: taking one step at a time it's like uh it's gonna absolutely and and be okay with that and it is a process it's not like a a magic wand is what it's gonna take time but uh, taking one step at a time reaching out and doing doing the work it's uh but uh it can be difficult but it it, 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 like you said uh, divorce can be the best thing that's ever happened Mm -hmm. if you make it that you know even though i didn't want the divorce. I've never been in a better place that I am right now. And I feel I'm also in the right direction versus before, not due to the marriage. You know, I was very kind of like living in a fog in many ways and not living my own life. So I think it's a, definitely a big opportunity uh, and uh, to get, get some guidance in this life. A lot of times kind of like difficult period of life where if you call it midlife crisis or if you call it <laughs> Uh, midlife transition, it's a period of transition and uh, you can make that into an opportunity to transition well into your rest of your life.
1: Absolutely. I love that. If you remember that was exactly the message of my podcast, create a life you love. Divorce gives, gave me that opportunity. It took me a while, but I honestly am so in love with the life that I have the experiences that i'm creating the the opportunities that fall in my lap it it, it absolutely can be a good thing and it's so hard tr- i mean honestly i was one of those people who fought this so much but it honestly i never wanted my divorce either there're days i feel sad that my family unit isn't together, but that's for my children. I don't feel sad for me. Um, And do you understand, do you know the difference there? Like, I'm sad that my kid's mom and dad isn't together, that we can't get along because my son said the other day, I wish you, you and dad could be in the same room together. I wish you could be at a sporting event together, but that's where I'm sad. I don't miss the relationship that I had. I have had so much, true love in my life and so honestly I guess that's really the overriding message I didn't believe it could get better and it is a great opportunity but you have to be doing the work yourself that's what I've noticed about as you and I have talked we had our feet facing forward we had our feet focused on that future of the life that we wanted like my therapist said you don't know how to get there but you know where you want to go and all I could do was face that direction I didn't know how what steps to take but I knew it. And that's all I that's the advice I give to people keep yeah. focus on what you want to create. And what, what is whatever that is for you, whatever your life you love, work on that.
0: And trusting the process. And uh, if you have a coach, or if you have a mentor, having an awesome friend, uh, trusting that process is going to bring you into a, a very beautiful place. Yeah. You know, this has been so fun to be interviewed <laughs> by you. We have to do this again.
1: <laughs> Agreed. I have loved it. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Yeah. It's like, uh, I just want to repeat back a little bit uh, about the podcast I started it three months ago and uh, it's uh, kind of like a little baby right now. It's just growing and uh, I'm so happy for the listeners coming in and, and listening and I get feedback from your listeners via email and, and uh, I just hope that uh, some of your listeners would send an email and be willing to be on a short call with me. If you are listening right now, please send me an, an email at podcast at gmail.com. And uh, just a quick phone call or a a Zoom for about uh, 15, 20 minutes where I can ask you some questions about the podcast, what you're struggling with and what you want to hear. And uh, I just want to learn more about how I can help you, how I can inspire you the best possible way to make this podcast even better. I strive to make this podcast the best podcast about divorce and how to navigate divorce there is. And uh, it's so much fun to get the feedback. I want more feedback. I'd love to hear from you. So I just want to round that off today. Uh, and uh, in the description below, you can find the email address as well. You can also send a voicemail via the other link in the below. And uh, to, to, uh, to end, I want to thank you, Terci, to taking the initiative to ask <laughs> to be interviewed by you. That was awesome. And uh, I really loved uh, just sharing a little bit more about my story and uh, I think that will both bring hope to people to see my journey uh, and uh, and also see that uh, I've done work and you know connect a little bit better with me because I'm I'm being a little bit more transparent in this interview that I have before so that was awesome
1: thank you